xenophobe trope. Just don't be an asshole. Yeah, don't don't be an asshole. Welcome back to Trope Time, our second episode in season two. And today, Nikki and I are going to talk about xenophobe trope. Just don't be an asshole. Yeah, don't don't be an asshole. So, um, in case you haven't noticed, the world is being kind of crazy right now. <laughs> in fact, at the time of this recording, I have no idea what's even going to be happening next week. Um, we're recording this on March 15th, just for reference, so people yeah. know. But anything can change by the time that you get to hear this. So we thought it was incredibly appropriate to um, drill in the don't be an asshole part, because people be doing the asshole thing. That right just now. sounded really dirty, and it's not what we meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't okay um you know what the hell i mean i do know i i think the main thing that i've always tried to not default to and if i see that i'm sort of heading that way due to like previous socializing and programming i'm like wait a minute am i really feeling this because i feel this or am i just jumping onto a bandwagon of programming so like what am i talking about othering so the sheer idea of all the ills, all the things that are wrong are the fault of this other group. And if we get rid of this other group, then things will be fine, right? So right now we've seen a couple rash instances, at least in the United States, where Southeast Asian people have been attacked, have been um, verbally kind of shouted at or whatever because of the fact that they look, quote-unquote, Chinese. Mm. And that even... Southeast Asian, like grocery stores are not being visited. Restaurant sales have gone down significantly even before we started having these kinds of like self-quarantining episodes that we're experiencing right now throughout the United States. And then you just have a lot of misinformation. Some of our media sources are trying to pin this whole thing on like it's all China's fault and making it this very intense propaganda that is just in my opinion, adding fuel to a xenophobic fire that we have in the United States since yes. we're in our current presidential um, lives. To be clear, it's also not just America doing this. Um, like uh, my Chinese-American friend was on a business trip in Japan, I think two weeks ago, and she was knocked to the ground and yelled at and then scratched like very deep. She had to go to the police station they call him koban but the the police officer was like i don't there's so many people and he had a mask on and he's like i don't know what you want me to do this is tokyo too many people <laughs> so um nothing could be done yeah and it's just very very disappointing so what we wanted to do nikki and i today was kind of talk about how this same type of phenomenon or I guess, general human suckiness has been propagated or demonstrated throughout popular media and kind of just break it down and be like, you know, be less like these examples in popular media. So without further ado, let's jump into it. 
So one of the first things that popped into both of our minds, Nikki, when we were talking about infectiousness and othering was District 9, the movie that was Amazeballs and came out in 2009. Yes. And it was all about literally sequestering these um, bug creatures. They were referred to as prawns, but they were definitely prawns. aliens. Yeah, like they, were they aliens. arrived mm-hmm. to South Africa, which crappy place to land at that time. And then they got quarantined and kind of just like put into this shanty town that was um, heavily patrolled and contained. And then they had an alien virus that was trying to be exploited by the non-prawn people so they could use their weapons and technology. Yes. And it. <laughs> so what happened was um, our main character was just fucking around with him because that was the thing to do. And... Mm. Uh, he ended up spraying himself in the face with whatever liquid it was and becoming infected. Right. And he ends up starting to transform into a prawn. So from human form and being just like a total, I guess, avatar for white supremacy into the thing he despised the most, which was this extreme visual other of a prawn. Yeah. And then he was being used during the entire process, which he's so confused, mm-hmm. they're trying to use him to to get to the weaponry of the alien race. And finally, he's just like, no, fuck this shit. <laughs> he ends up switching sides. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that's one of the most human things that we end up doing. And we see mm-hmm. this played out a thousand times throughout history. It's great until the other groups are being persecuted. But as soon as it affects my group, then fuck that shit. Like, we got to, you know... Get up to arms about that. We can't be letting this happen to us. But it's always this kind of um, division and it only needs to be vehemently opposed when it directly impacts, I guess, each individual Mm -hmm. that is going to take up a cause. So District 9, if you haven't seen it, we have not ruined the plot. It is such a fucking good movie. You should go check that out. Yeah, and very appropriate to what is happening kind of now. Um, In terms of kind of looking at quarantining and and following that whole like border closings and stuff like that, the other thing that kind of popped into our minds, Nikki, when we were talking about before the show recording was Full Metal Alchemist. With Scar and um, Ishval and how they're just, they're blamed for everything. Somehow their magic or whatever, their version of alchemy or whatever is not kosher right it's deemed let's just go with dirty like a lower form of yeah and so um spoilers spoilers if you haven't seen spoilers if you haven't seen it already (laughs) who was it the head of the um of the military who's actually a home Mm -hmm. nucleus just decides let's just sacrifice all of them to make a uh a philosopher's stone Yeah. And it's just a great example of convincing a group of people that it's just much easier to just completely other and dehumanize this group for our own gain, because it makes us feel Mm -hmm. better, gives us more resources, gives us more power, however you want to frame it. It doesn't help necessarily, or maybe it does in this instance, that Ishbal is chock full of brown people. And the dude in question that is kind of putting all this in is called the fear. So there's that. I'm suddenly also reminded of an episode of Black Mirror mm. where they're all in the military and um, they see their enemy and they call them roaches because mm. they look like like something out of District 9. 
and they look fearsome and whatnot. And the guy starts to realize that something's not right. And um, by the end of it, the military fully admits that, like, they implanted some chip in their head to see the enemy as some fearsome creature. So that way they don't feel bad Mm -hmm. about killing them. And when he finds out that a lot of the people, a lot of the things that he's been killing are regular people that are, like, you know, women and children, they give him the option of erasing his memory and re-putting in, reprogramming him, or, like, was it sending him home and, like, killing him or something like that? It was some sort of one of, one of those two extremes. And um, it was so fascinating because the chip not only made him see everybody different, it also reduced, like, he couldn't smell the blood. Oh. And he couldn't hear the screaming of them dying. Jeez. And, like, any time they said anything, it came out in a gibberish way. That's intense. It was it was really... Black Mirror already is pretty intense, but it's kind of creepy because, like, they play future scenarios, but it's not, like, that far in the future that... What makes it creepy is that you could actually see something like this happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was pretty creepy and, and sad. Yeah, that's usually the worst thing about it all is that it just really gets... I mean, Black Mirror is so great that way because it really does kind of in an absurdist way makes you look at something fundamental and then you're like, oh, damn. Yeah. That's not as crazy as I thought it would have been. Yeah, there's also, um, I think we forgot, Captain Marvel. Yeah. The Kree are not great. The Kree are not Uh, great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they think they're the best. But they are definitely all about, like, we got to kill everybody who's not just like us. And that's definitely going to be something that I think when they added Carol Danvers to that whole scenario, it brought a different sense of, like, assimilation of that hate. And then because of her differentness, she was able to go ahead and realize the farce and deprogram herself quicker because she had not been indoctrinated in since, you know, like, the beginning. She still had some of her memories at least in the movie we're going by the mcu at this point and it definitely becomes this whole scenario of like well we need to restrict movement of these others we need to control access to funds and i think that this whole scenario right now that we're living is showing a lot of the gaps in understanding that ultimately we're all like you know social beings and we thrive or die by tribe mentality like, we need to be able to recognize that maybe our tribe is a little bit bigger than we had initially thought of. And that kind of oddly going with this whole bug theme brings me into Ender's Game. I think they portray them as bugs because people are disturbed when it's actually people. Because I think, obviously, like, when you think of this scenario, it's hard not to think of the Nazis. Right. It's a lot easier to dehumanize something that doesn't look like a human. Yes. And so it's just a faster jump for the audience to be like, oh, well, that makes sense. They're super creepy looking. But when it's, well, they just like wear a different shirt than us or have a star on their belly, kind of like Dr. Susie. Mm -hmm. It definitely is something that is interesting. So in Ender's Game, um, if you read it or, I mean, I don't recommend watching the movie. I'm very upset about that. And I heard that that the authors kind of. it's, It's, again. This is what this whole podcast is about, right? It's like, it's great, except for all the shit that except, is not great about it. Except for the really asshole <laughs> author. Yeah. It was like super homophobic and not great. But 
on other side, there's really interesting points that are made in that book that I thought were really cool. So again, falling in the I love it, if it just sucked a little less, it would be much better. Bane of our entire endeavor in this podcast world. In Ender's Game, basically all human society is unified by a common threat. And that common thread are the buggers and the buggers are coming from another planet and they come and they try to, you know, like colonize the earth. And everyone's like, well, I guess we're all just regular humans now and we should all be together and make one unified government and go against these imminent threat. And I think you're right on point there, Nikki, where you're saying like it's just so much easier when they visually look non-human. Mm hmm. And that, that they're just drastically different. So in, in the book, Ender's Game, and in that entire series, the buggers are of a hive mind. And so even the communication with one is going to be different and near impossible. So it makes negotiations not something that's going to happen. So I thought that that book was really interesting in that it showed how that entrenched otherness within humanity was completely dissolved as soon as it was a bigger other. Mm. You know, like, oh, we've hated each other for millennia and have had, like, warring episodes since the dawn of humanity. But, like, somebody else came along and they look like a bug. So, like, we're chill, right? Like, we're cool now? I think is really an interesting commentary on what ends up happening, you know, with othering extreme would you say The Handmaid's Tale? Because I feel like it's more... You you get two types of blame of, of othering. You get government othering and then religious. Yeah. Which leads me to more something like The Handmaid's Tale, where it's more like we are morally... We morally have the high ground. Yeah. Religion's always sketchy when it comes to othering. So, yeah, I'm thinking of just examples like that where it seems like people like to throw out that they have the moral high ground. And I remember in Handmaid's Tale, they're just saying that, you know, all the minority... Well, the thing that gets me about that is that they're, it's all like LGBTQ and gender-based, but they don't bring in race. At least mm. I stopped watching, I think, in the second or third season because I just... I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> it was just too real for me. Um, and I had to stop. But like up until that point, they never brought race into it, which I thought was quite interesting. Because I would think, I don't know, Christianity has been very iffy when it comes to race. Yeah, I mean, I think religion is always just going to be a easy thing since it is in its infrastructure something that is used to unify and organize slash control, depending on who's in charge. People, it's just a lot easier to go ahead and be like, yes, these other groups, they are not of our faith and therefore inherently bad. One thing that I found was really interesting when we were talking about since I've been home. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. So I was like, let me give Castlevania, the animated series, another try. <laughs> so many mixed feelings about it. But part of it I thought was really interesting is the juxtaposition between the archbishop, who's like anything that is not the church that I decided is the church, is automatically Satan's work. So boo science and uh, let's burn everybody at the stake because she's a witch. And then Dracula, who's like humans suck and need to die. Yeah, and then he recruits two humans to help him murder all the humans. Right, which is a lot of, like, I thought that was, that was the one thing that kind of got me in there, mm -hmm. thinking about, like, wow, there's a lot of 
a really interesting examination of self-hatred. You know, you and I have talked a lot about mm-hmm. internalized misogyny and how hard it is yes. one to recognize it in yourself and mm-hmm. then to like actively reprogram yourself to get that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And here you have a really good example of entrenched self-hate for humanists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of seeing them go through that was also very interesting with the two human characters that are part of Dracula's plan. Yeah, I feel like witches as a trope has always been in othering. Like, yes, they always end up going into hiding, kind of mm-hmm. like um, in Sabrina and various other things. Basically, it seems like any indigenous spiritual people yeah. are always in the shadows and kind of othered and basically like, oh, they're just crazy. They don't know what's going on. Yeah, and and we experience it like traditionally within the scope of Western Europe colonizing mm-hmm. everyone, right? But I mean, I think it happens throughout history in a bunch of different terms. Where, like in China, you saw the type of thing where you know whoever was in power the most was conquering other peeps and saying like, well, everything you've ever believed in your life sucks and is lesser than the thing we're bringing in because obviously we won mm-hmm. and our shit's better. I'm also suddenly reminded of um, usually when the Romani people Mm -hmm. appear, like, obviously, probably the most well-known is the animated feature of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Where um, they have to live in the literal, like, sewers with all the dead people, like, in order to keep out of the light. And, like, he is actively, what is it? Um, Frollo, the uh, the church guy, um, mm. both like sexualizes, yeah, Esmeralda, but also like, I mean, he has an entire the darkest fucking song I've ever seen in a Disney film, where he's just like <laughs> dancing in front of this fire, and he's like, man, I really want to fuck her, but she's also kind of evil because like you know brown people, but and like, she makes me want to fuck her. And she makes so that must be evil. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna give her a choice. She's either gonna fuck me, or she's gonna die with everybody else. And like, she's probably gonna die right after I fuck her because you know she made me turn evil. Yeah, like holy shit, that entire scene, and like all the demons like dancing around him with the the, the song is called Hellfire, and I'm just like, <laughs> wow, Disney. And then you juxtapose that with you know. Um, really happy and funny, like Jason Alexander gargoyles that don't fit, but you know. Yeah. It was a really fucking dark film about xenophobia. Yeah. It, I mean, Disney's got a couple of those, actually. <laughs> You've got a, a lot of uh, interesting othering type of things. I mean, I think uh, one that just popped into my head is going to be uh, Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch? Lilo, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because you have the duality of experience of otherness, right? Where you have Lilo and pretty much every other Hawaiian Mm -hmm. experiencing this like weird, disjointed kind of like it's awesome that you're Hawaiian, but like only in this really sanitized and watered down way that applies to just the tourists that Mm -hmm. are decidedly not of that culture and ethnic heritage. And then you also have Stitch who visually looks different Mm -hmm. and is different. I mean, I'm not going to get into like what he is and all that jazz, but like 
the fact that otherness is kind of what brings those two characters together because they understand what it is to be othered. I thought mm-hmm. was really interesting of Disney. Yeah, apparently there was a deleted scene that had something to like some commentary on that. Like I think Lilo was, and Stitch were supposed to be walking down the street, and like some white tourist came by and was like asking her questions, and she's just like, I don't know, I just live here, and then like. The tourist got super pissed off and was like, get out of my way and just left. Wow. Yeah, it's a like perform for me. Exactly. In your otherness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing that kind of had that same type of a, a vibe for me when I was thinking about this was going to be when we talk about um, The Witcher. Yeah. So you and I were talking about The Witcher video game and then. Obviously, it's literature. We've got video game, and now we've got the Netflix, the Netflix series. series. And it's great when you're an other if we can use you. But as soon as that, you know, really runs its course, we'd rather you get the hell out of here because you're creeping us out. Yeah, and that seems like a pretty big trope. It's just like, if you're not useful to me, I don't want you around. What can you do for me? Mm-hmm. And it does have like this weird kind of scenario where you have the Witcher is othered not by choice, right? Yeah. Is like completely out of his consent, how he becomes a Witcher. And then you've got the mages. What the hell were they called? I forget. I think just... Yennefer is a what? What the hell is she? I don't know. She's like witch person. The magic-y peeps? The magical peeps, yeah. Um, The counselors or what have you. They are like bad Hogwarts. Yeah, exactly. Bad Hogwarts. They sort of choose to do it. Like they do and they don't. Obviously, like you see that the ones who are like not up to par become those weird energy eels and just power everybody else's magic. But there is at least the illusion of choice. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? But yeah. it, it definitely is not like, oh, wow, they're super chill and we should hang out with them. They're a literal tool for politics. Within the different kingdoms, even though they're also playing their own form of politics. I thought it was interesting of that whole you're a tool. In this case, you're a tool for the kingdom and the royalty to, you know, have an advantage and play out these things over their populace. And in the Witcher's case, it's like we really need this town to get rid of all these monsters. So if you could do that and then hurry along to the next town so we don't have to really acknowledge that we did business with you, that would be swell. You know, they're actually kind of... I feel like Castlevania and Witcher have a lot in common because it also mm-hmm. has to do with the Belmont family Yeah. In, in Castlevania where they're like, yeah, you can get rid of the monsters around here, but then after that, please get the fuck out because you're excommunicated, again, with the church. Right, and they do have... In Castlevania, I thought it was a lot more interesting detail. They go into a little bit more in season two where... They were originally in France, Mm -hmm. and they get relocated into Eastern Europe because they were no longer welcomed in France. Yeah. I guess because the church got rid of all the monsters. I didn't understand exactly the reasoning. And, of course, we're hearing this from someone who, like, at 11 became orphaned and has no idea what the fuck's happening. Yeah. And couldn't get into the library. Yeah. Also, um... Side note, season three, I don't know what the fuck is going on there. So I have not seen season three, so maybe we'll talk about the batshit craziness, pun intended, Yeah. Um, of Castlevania season three in another There's podcast. There's like some Cthulhu shit going on there. It's not great. This, it, it's not great. All right, the, so there are things I like and things I dislike, but yes. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's got its moments. So let's, mm-hmm. let's 
delve off of that dude. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, we were talking about this kind of like looking at different types of groups and othering. <laughs> Harry Potter world. Mm-hmm. So we've got three groups. We've got, well, I guess we have more than three groups, but the three ones that are quote unquote human are going to be the muggles, the mudbloods, and then the purebloods. And then you have all the non-human ones, like the giants, the centaurs, and mm-hmm. the elves, and all that other jazz. And uh, hella drama in othering there. Yeah, I mean, freaking, you get a huge taste of it from the get-go with Draco Malfoy and his entire family just picking on Hermione. Mm-hmm. And then trying to literally, what is it, endorse, like, genocide? <laughs> Yeah, not great with the genocide endorsements. But you also had it with the Ministry of Magic was trying to do the same type of thing with the elves and the centaurs with the Forbidden Forest. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, really being kind of like, well, only the humanish users of magic count. So again, it was that kind of like division of groups of othering, right? So like all the humans are still going to be better than the non-humans. But even within the humans, we have this breakdown of like pure bloods versus mud bloods who are mixed versus muggles who are non-magic people. But mm-hmm. they still people, so thumbs up for them, I guess. The same thing kind of happened in The Witcher with elves there too. Yes, they were run out of their land and their magic taken. Which was a really interesting kind of flip from like Tolkien elviness. Yeah, Tolkien elviness was just like. We've been here longer than you. We know what's going on. So we're just going to babysit you and treat you like the children that you are. Because you already fucked up once with the ring. You done fucked up. We don't trust you anymore. We don't trust you. I think in the way that Tolkien kind of gives it is that the span of time as perceived by an elf is just insurmountably more than humans. And so the things that matter or don't matter are going to be in that same type of disproportionate concern where they're like, mm. you guys are just going to die in like 30 years. We're good. Yeah. Like, like I'm here for a couple hundred. Like like your petty shit is petty. Like we're just going to wait for this to play itself out and then, you know, we'll keep doing us. Yeah. With our fabulous hair. Would you consider, just for shits and giggles, mm. what is the movie where it's the trees that are spreading the happening? Sorry, it's called The Happening. The Elm Shamalad with Mark Wahlberg. The trees release the pheromones that kill everybody because they don't want humans on Earth anymore. Because humans are assholes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, Signs was a different one. That was when, like, they were, like, in the forest or whatever, and then he left. Yeah, no, that's the village. Elm Shaman is really big on it. The village is, like, we pretend that we're in, like, pre-colonial times. Yeah. Oh, wait, Signs is the one with the kid where I see dead people. Right. No, <laughs> no you're just doing it on purpose. Which also, othering. Mm-hmm. He's got othering up the wazoo, this M. Shyamalan. Yeah, let's break it up. All right, so we've got Signs is the one with the aliens and the little kid and the premonition of, like, swing for the heavens or whatever mm-hmm. so that he swings and kills the alien. The happening was Mark Wahlberg, if I remember correctly, and all the plants. They don't know what's happening, but it turns out the trees are all, all the plants are conspiring against the humans because humans suck and keep trying to destroy the earth mm-hmm. the village is you know what modern society sucks so we're gonna go off and just kind of reset shit and pretend that we're in i don't know colonial fucking wilderness yeah back to yeah. the basics until we mm-hmm. needed penicillin in which case let's get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. 
And then we had heavy othering when we're dealing with I see dead people, which is the sixth sense. The sixth sense. Oh, my God. I can't. (laughs) There's so many. Where it's like he was always picked. Like you have all these individuals who are highly persecuted, told they're crazy because they're experiencing something different than Mm the majority of people and it isn't until you know bruce willis actually dies that he's like holy shit this was a real thing the whole time i should have been less of a fucking asshole i mean isn't that how how those types of movies always end we're like they do here because they're american and you have to have a happy ending i'm sure a japanese version of that would be like and i'm still an asshole as a a ghost and now we'll haunt people who whatevs (laughs) are asshole how would that go nikki i i mean it probably would just end with like, and I was wrong all along, and that was it. Yeah, and then the, and then it would like let you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very ominous endings in yeah. a lot of Japanese stuff that I've noticed. Or just a straight up ending out of nowhere because they ran out of budget. That's also a thing. Those are also the more uh, disconcerting ones because you're like, am I supposed to think about this? That happened really fast. Yeah, like did they just run out of money? Or was there a message here, too? <laughs> and just like, wrap it up. We've got an episode left. All right. So we have did our Harry Potterness. We've talked about Castlevania. Oh, the other thing I kind of wanted to bring into this. You know, I'm a Whovian. Mm. And by that, I mean, I watched the Doctor Who. And in Doctor Who, classic and the modern reboot type of deal. Or not reboot, the, the continuation. We have the Daleks. Do you know who those are, Nikki? Yes, yeah, I love them. I actually have a piggy bank of one. Exterminate. Nice. Well, first, their tagline is exterminate, so that should really tell you where they're and at. And they as fly far now. They can fly because upgrades. And so in Doctor Who, they have a really interesting kind of storyline. We have Stravos, who was a Time Lord. He was just kind of an asshole. Like, he wasn't a Time Lord. He was just an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a crap life. But, you know, he made crap choices when he could. And so basically he creates this master race of killing machines where anything that is not a Dalek needs to die. And there's a really great episode, one of my favorite episodes, is where the Cybermen, who are like 100% like, think the Borg, they're all about the assimilation. They're like, we will conquer through assimilating. And the Daleks are like, we will conquer through exterminating. And they have a sass off. Oh, I remember that. I'm going to see if I can find a link to that meme or that gift set because it is priceless. I don't want to do it uh, this justice here by, by trying to word it out. But it is the sassiest shit I've ever heard, and I love it. But yeah, the Daleks are real assholes and xenophobes. Anything that's not a Dalek needs to die and be exterminated on site. I don't know. They're my favorite enemies. I mean, they're great. Visually, they're so great. Like, who thought that that idea was going to be so creepy? But they're really creepy once you understand what they stand for. And I think that's anything, right? Like, the Mm -hmm. iconography can can take on you meaning once you know what it is. The other kind of othering that I thought was really great allegory was in The Shape of Water that um, you and I have talked about in the past. But I wanted to revisit it real quick because... It is set within this xenophobia of, like, red fever, I guess. Is that what it was called when we were all scared of the commies? Um, or is that what we just call it the Cold War? The Red Scare. The Red Scare, thank you. Red fever just sounds kind of like, ooh. But, yeah, where you have literally, so we have to kill the communists, and we're so scared about the communists and the communists. So we're going to be negligibly unethical when it comes to treating a very non-human looking other, which is the creature from the Black Lagoon, a la 
What did they call him? The fish man? I think I forget so. His name. Is it something like that? Actually, I confession, I've never seen The Shape of Water, but I hear it is great and it will make you want to fuck a fish. Not any fish. Just that Again, one. Just that one because he's kind of humanish. Yeah. You know? Like, well, it's he's, just like, like adjacent. Yeah, it's just like Breath of the Wild. Everybody loves Good Boy. Yeah. He tells you you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Oh. The Induendo. So I, I thought that that was an interesting one where you have like the other sees mm-hmm. and has empathy for the other. And mm-hmm. in this case, the others that were shown in The Shape of Water is going to be the Russian spy. Mm-hmm. We have the mute woman who's our protagonist. You have her African-American co-worker. Mm-hmm. And then the gay dude who's in the closet. So those four people are able to have empathy for the one that looks the least like humanoid, which is the actual fish dude or Amazon river god. I forget what his name was. And then you have like the straight up white dude, all Americana, who's an asshole, who's just an asshole to everyone who's not just like him, including just women. Like it's like handmade tale all over again, I guess, in that regard with fish sex. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, if you want to go into a more modern setting, I think, um, which which is a bit more nuanced, because sometimes it's not out there Mm. in such extremes. I would think Get Out would be a good example, where instead the othering is more of taking a demographic that is traditionally marginalized Mm -hmm. and then putting them on a pedestal and then basically claiming that oh well the soul inside is the bad part but the physical part we can definitely benefit from isn't it kind of just like white man's burden yeah it's it's like a it it's got some nuance there yeah but it's it's kind of like again the tool thing right yeah exactly like um as long as we can utilize you we'll sort of and sanitize your otherness to our palate Mm-hmm. Then we can go ahead and, and, and tolerate that. And Avatar. Yeah. Avatar is so problematic on so many fronts. <laughs> because it takes cultural appropriation to a whole new fucking level. Yeah. It's it's a lot. Because you're like wearing a Avatar suit to go native. Like it's so fucked up. It would be like a minstrel show. It's exactly what it is. It's a fucking minstrel show. It's it's so bad. <laughs> it's like so very disturbing. I mean, you could also argue Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. The movie? Oh, I was going to go with the um the animation, but I was going to go with the movie has no Asian people in it, right? Yeah. So there's that. But yeah, let's go to the animation. So you've got the kingdoms against each other, right? The Fire Nation just decides that need to, they need to kill everybody to get rid of war, which I'm just like um there's some logic problems with that. But yet so on point with historical events. That excuse has been used so many times. It's like, nah, it's cool. Like, if we could control everything, then there'll be no more war, you guys. Like, that's that's the way it's going to be. I'm looking at you, Khaleesi, and Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah. there's a lot going on there, too. A lot of othering, yeah. The Unsullied... Mm-hmm. The Dothraki. Yep. Is it the old gods? The old gods versus... The new. The new, yep. 
the um who were the forest people again the first the children of the forest children of the forest and i mean i can't i guess still looking humanish but hella other you've got the white walkers Mm -hmm. who are suspiciously like the buggers in ender's game where they have a bit of a hive mind sensation yeah yeah you've also got the lord of light Mm-hmm. And Misandre versus like, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, I, I feel like Game of Thrones. Let us not talk about the last season and the debacle that that was, but in its structure had a lot of othering within it. The wildlings. Yeah. You know them not wanting to let them over the wall. Right. To be safe. With the giants and stuff, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, well, you don't really, like, I don't want to worry about you guys, because, like, really... All you're going to do is loot us, and... You don't count as full... People. Civilized humans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on in there as well. I've found it very interesting when they're, we're talking about this whole othering, it kind of falls into the idea of refugees as well, mm-hmm. and kind of dehumanizing these groups that are fleeing, you know, drastic things, usually war-type things, right? Huh. Or I a persecution. Wonder how that pertains to real life. <laughs> exactly. Huh. It's oh, almost it's like, you know, putting people in giant camps is bad. Yeah. Or something. Right. Not that we would do that right now. Repeatedly. In, in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, that does suck a lot. I think when we're talking about this, especially in this day and age... Oh, you know which one I want to talk about real quick? Mm. Before my brain goes into another thing? Parasite. Oh! With the othering based on class, right? And socioeconomic status. Yes. Particularly in the point where, spoilers, rich dude is all about like, and they smell, and there's this weird smell. And like, that just is, I guess, the thing that snaps lower class dad slash chauffeur. You know, and also the fact that he was basically like, dude, save my kid instead of your wife because my kid is more important. But he'd already kind of snapped before that with the whole smell thing. Yeah. And then he lost everything in that weird flood situation. So that probably didn't help. Yeah. But yeah, it it was definitely like this kind of like, well, you don't fully count. So definitely save my kid Um, because my kid is a full-blown human. And you don't count as that. And it was interesting in that movie when they finally discover that bunker. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at the former housekeeper's husband. Yeah. He was very animalistic. Oh, yeah. And so they were able to have that kind of like superiority and kind of look back and be like, well, we're not like him. Yeah. And he was also fiercely loyal. Yeah. To the people above ground. Right. With his Morse code, yeah, with his Morse code welcoming him back every day. Yeah, because they were his masters, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I thought that was interesting because it, it had that layer of it's not just like these rich people who are like looking down on their working staff, but like their working staff also looked down on animalistic dude in the bunker mm-hmm. who had lost almost all sense of his humanity because of debt. Yeah. That's fucked up. I thought that was another interesting kind of contemporary othering where you look the same. It's just socioeconomic and class structure that is causing that othering. Class war 
his I feel like could be an entirely different episode. <laughs> yeah, we could we could absolutely in popular media have a whole episode just based on that. And I bet half of that would be medieval films and serfdom. Or appropriating that for new times, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Or just like kingdoms. We shall use kingdoms as our metaphor. So I think that's pretty much, I think we've come to a natural conclusion. Is there anything else that you wanted to wrap well, up with, Nikki? I would think like the results of othering and how that, how that affects even the people that are doing the othering. Because when the small marginalized people aren't enough to blame, the scope becomes yes. larger until it becomes where only the privileged few are the ones that are okay. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I kind of brought that up a little bit earlier, but mm -hmm. I definitely would love to go into it more with you. It's just, it's all well and good to persecute and to restrict the humanness of other groups until it hits my group. And it does become a series of concentric circles where you just have like human as the widest one. Mm -hmm. And then as you get in and in and in and just keep othering and othering to the point where just the ones in power count. And that can be decided by a whole bunch of different types of criteria depending on the circumstances in, in society. When we were looking at Full Metal Alchemist, for example, it starts off with like the other countries are the problem, mm -hmm. right? And then it becomes like, well, actually, the problem is going to be this little niche group within our own country, which are these rebels or what have you, mm -hmm. or the refugees that we have here. And then it becomes the people who don't blindly comply with the military. And then it becomes, well, really, it, it was just the generals. They didn't care who else died mm -hmm. because the generals were trying to hoard all this power. And then you find out it wasn't even just the generals. It was the humunculus who were controlling everything. Yeah. For their own gain. So it, it became like this kind of really great examination of how it all starts just shedding away. And if you realize if I had stood up for that bullshit discrimination of like seven circles ago, I wouldn't be in this peril to begin with. Yeah. So it does become like this paradox of like, well, giving is a selfish act because it makes me feel good to give. Mm hmm. I feel like standing up for others that are marginalized or have less privilege than you is actually a selfish act in that it protects your own rights in the long run as well. Yeah, it could, because eventually it will reach you. And eventually it will be you, exactly. And if you're all about self-preservation, I mean, if that's... And you don't want to be compassionate, then the best way to self-preserve then is to be, you know, is to protect those below you. Yeah. If you want to be selfish like that. I mean, I feel like that's the best way to be selfish, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, it is my self-interest to maintain this. So I'm going to make sure everybody is not, you know, dying in, in despair. Yeah. And that's a shitty way to look at it. But like, if that's the only take you can really bring yourself to have from this podcast, then please do that. Yeah. Um, if you are like, you know, humans all, you know, should have a shot at being, you know, healthy and alive and healthy and alive, have basic human rights then like, yeah like then healthcare. you know go that route as well yes yeah i think i think that we summed i think we covered all the things yeah and the last thing i kind of want to bring up right now we have another type of othering obviously this will be dated once mm -hmm. we are past the coronavirus situation that we have right now with it spreading mm -hmm. globally 
but also looking at the microcosm that is the United States right now. There's a lot of talk right now that it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. We shouldn't be doing self-isolation because really, who cares? It's just old people are going to get sick and die. So like, what's that got to do with me, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. What I think is really messed up about that is that this is illuminating, you know, like why vaccines are important is that it's a community situation where like you, 25 year old that has no pre-existing conditions and particularly nothing that deals with your heart, I mean, with your lungs should be fine. But like you might get in contact with someone who gets in contact with a grandmother or, you know, like that whole your actions are not in isolation, Mm -hmm. I think is really big deal. For me in particular, I had really severe childhood asthma and my lungs are not the greatest. Like it hasn't hampered me and I was able to play sports and stuff like that. But I am very, very sensitive to all things respiratory. So like someone with really intense cologne can knock me out for a couple hours because it overwhelms my lungs. So I've been trying to self-isolate as much as I can Just because even if, you know, I was to be fine, what they've come out with the latest studies that I read today was that even people who recover from coronavirus that had lung issues will be at reduced 20 to 30 percent lung capacity um, because of the way that this particular virus attacks the lungs in particular. Coronaviruses go right for the lungs. That's their jam. I think it's really telling when we see all these people kind of just being like, well, Those others, you know, the ones who have respiratory issues or the Mm -hmm. ones who have heart disease or those who are not prime candidates for health, what's the big deal? And I think that that, that's sort of the vibe that has been going around right now. And I was wondering what your thoughts on that would be. No, I agree. Um, I feel like if you're going to go out, be reasonable about it. Yeah. For example, I did go out Friday after work because it had been a roller coaster of a week. And for my mental health, mm-hmm. I needed to go out. Um, but the venue I went to was an arcade. Um, and they limited the amount of people that would go in to make sure that it would there would be six feet between everybody. And actually, like, I was with... A small group of coworkers, there were like five of us, and there was no one around us the entire time. And the, we saw the arcade workers had gloves, and they were wiping down every single cabinet constantly. And I washed my hands like six times. Yeah, I think the, the main thing is just to be considerate, right? Yeah, like- don't go to a bar. I mean, I know it's St. Patty's weekend, and I've been seeing people like in close proximity, like they would normally go to a bar. No, I mean, if you're going to go someplace, look at it, look at the inside, see the capacity of people close to each other, are bodily fluids being swapped, like, and then probably don't go to someplace that's super crowded right now. Yeah. Like, take a walk, maybe, like, in an area where there's not as many people, and wash your hands and just be considerate. And it definitely, like, it sucks that there's going to be such a grave kind of impact to a lot of people who are in the service sector that can't remotely do their job. Exactly. Like, I can't remotely do my job. And so as of Monday, I'm still going in to Mm -hmm. work. Granted, we're in an office setting, but, like, 
there are service workers and like waitresses that rely on tips that are not yeah. getting tips. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because on the one hand, you're being told to sequester yourself at home, but these people still have to go into work and like they don't get the option to stay at home. And if they're not making money at work, then they can't afford to pay the bills. So it's just, yeah, you want to support them, but you also don't want to get anyone sick. So right, it's a very harsh short term plan. Like I was looking at a couple of graphs of the 1918 flu that killed a shit ton of people and mm -hmm. the response between two different towns. So in Philly, they had the first reported cases and then didn't do anything. And a shit ton of people got infected. It was exponential exposure, overwhelmed the health system there. And so a lot of people unnecessarily died because there was just like no way to actually treat everyone simultaneously mm -hmm. versus St. Louis, who had the first couple cases, they in instituted um, kind of quarantining and isolating self-isolation as much as possible and therefore were able to kind of flatten out that curve. And so there was exposure. There was people who got infected because unfortunately this is an infectious disease. It's going to happen. But when people got sick, at least the health services were not overwhelmed and they were able to treat people and less people overall died. Yeah. And right now with the way that our country is run, we can't enact anything on a grand scale like China did. We just can't because some people's workplaces will fire them and they have no food yeah. and no money to pay their bills. The only way we are going to get everyone to stay home and not at work is to close everything down and to give people sick leave. Yes. Which apparently, some reason, people are against. The Senate doesn't want to do. The Senate doesn't want to do because, heaven forbid, we help people out. Dude, I... What was it another country today? Was it Singapore? I was reading. They're giving everybody $1,500 mm -hmm. and paid sick leave. Yeah, because I mean, you still have to. You can't just run out of money, right? You still have yeah. to be able to pay for food, to pay for certain things. And I do think that this has illuminated the fact that in this day and age, mm -hmm. Internet is not a luxury. Internet is now become more of a utility. Yes, but some people still don't have access. Like um, one mm -hmm. of my friends is a teacher, but they're not doing remote learning because most of her students don't have access to computers or Internet at home. They have to go to the library and the library is shut down. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting, Miami-Dade County went ahead and preempt like last week they still had school on Friday. They decided that no, there was not going to be school for another two weeks. But they were giving out on Friday and on Saturday laptops or tablets to everyone who didn't have one at home. Mm -hmm. And then, um, for example, Comcast is giving everyone two months of Internet for free. Yeah. And actually, I'm just reading right here. Um, one of my good friends who's a teacher in Tennessee said um, that Scott County schools are open tomorrow until 1230 to get materials copied and distributed to students. Online learning is not an option here then close the rest of the week, and I anticipate that closure to be extended later as our prep work for students was for two weeks' worth of study materials. And then um, when they come back, he said they're, they're trying to petition to get rid of state testing, 
but they're going to go ahead through state testing. And he's just like, we didn't, they're not going to be prepared. We should just get rid of the state testing this year and then actually teach our kids. Yeah, I think Florida has decided that they're going to give everyone a year to try to take any of the state exams that they need to for this year because they're recognizing that they're not going to have. I mean, right now they're saying two weeks, but I think the CDC was saying that it actually the safest route would be for it to be four to eight weeks. I mean, yeah. And then the the Senate bill that they shut down was two weeks of, you know, paid sick leave. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, is this going to be done in two weeks? We don't even know how we would implement it because I feel like a lot of companies would start at different times. And if everybody starts at a different time, I mean, you're still going to get people exposed because I'm thinking, you know, they're probably like, well, two weeks is the incubation period. If everyone takes two weeks off and it'll just go away. But if everybody implements it at a different time, that's not going to work. Right. Which is why right now is such an interesting kind of situation, because ideally right now what you're trying to do is like if you do get sick, like if you're isolating and you get sick and you just stay home and you don't have complications because you're a healthy individual and then that shit runs its course, Mm -hmm. you didn't overwhelm a hospital, you didn't overwhelm resources, right? Because it's blatantly clear that the U.S. does not have enough tests to test everyone, even though they've claimed they're going to test everyone. Yeah, I've heard countless healthcare officials that I'm associated with tell me, listen, I already got the script from a primary doctor. This person is showing symptoms. They should be getting the x-ray, but they don't want to let the person into the x-ray room because an x-ray room might become contagious to other people who go into the x-ray room. And you're like, well, how the fuck does that work? Yeah. I mean, I was, Dr. Sanjay was on um, Mm -hmm. The Tonight Show with Stephen Colbert. And he was saying that we were offered the German test and we refused because we need to have America on our tests. But now the German test is the standard WHO test that's being over, used over in South Korea. That And they're testing 10,000 a day. Yeah, for free. For free. 10 minutes. We, 10 minutes we had to. I, I'm, I'm glad at least it was my representative over in California that had mm-hmm. to be the one to demand that we have free tests. How fucking sad is that? Yeah, I also read that there's a company that is having great strides right now. I think it's a California-based company that, um, like a pharma company that is making great strides, but they don't want to go to market with it because China has said that they're going to buy it and then buy the patent or whatever or, or distribute it for free. And they want to sell it at 50 to $100 per person. What the fuck so is they're in court people? or some shit trying to like sue china from being able to distribute it for free because that's what china blatantly said it was going to do like i'm just it really brings out the worst yeah um the hoarding the toilet paper why the toilet paper like real quick why the fucking toilet paper i have gone through so first it's not even a symptom Mm -hmm. of coronavirus it's a respiratory disease what's that got to do with you going to the bathroom one And two, I have gone through so many hurricane prep situations and like category five hurricanes and stuff and had no power, whatever, for a long time after said event. Never once has toilet paper been something that flies off the shelves before logical shit. Yeah, I don't. I I have a theory that people think that for some reason, since our trade is slowed with China, that, that it comes from China and therefore... There won't be enough to stock shelves if they need to buy all the things because 
We don't know when we're going to get more supplies. But that doesn't make sense. Like food. It make sense. Like meat. Because there will be food. Food. Yeah. Has, like I've gone to the store yeah. and there's a bunch of food. And you're like, but there's no toilet paper. See, I went to the store yesterday. There was no food. Really? The, yeah. Oh, you showed me your video. That shit was intense at the Walmart. Yeah, it's gotten worse. I went to Target yesterday. Um, there was no bread now. Absolutely no bread. No frozen pizzas. No frozen veggies. All potatoes and onions and tomatoes were gone. Bacon. Wow. Bacon was gone and all chicken. Huh. There was nothing. There were no chips left. It was crazy how empty the shelves were. There were no flour, sugar, cornstarch, and vinegar gone. Wow. But that makes sense more than toilet paper. True. But still, you don't gotta... This is not Mad Max. No. And there's a lot of people who just suck and are like, I'm gonna buy it all up and then resell. Like that guy in Tennessee. Yeah. Like, dude, you suck, bro. And he tried to justify it. Did you hear that? He was like, well, I think I'm doing a great service to those in rural areas who don't necessarily have access to these goods. And I'm just making it easier. And sure, I'm upselling, but if you think about it with, you know, I guess there's an extra fee for mailing out hand Mm -hmm. sanitizer. He's like, I'm really only profiting by $10 off of this because it's going to take $16 to ship this hand sanitizer. And I'm like, he's the worst. The fuck, dude. So now he's he's opening up in his like a garage sale. He's the worst. For all this shit. But people are buying it because they're scared. Fear-mongering. Yeah, fear-mongering is is not helping everything. Which leads to xenophobia. Ha! It's almost like a a cycle or something. I think we just have to get better about having a world health strategy. Because ultimately, like, a respiratory disease does not care about borders. No. No. It's not like it walks up to borders like, I'm sorry, I don't have a visa. I cannot enter this country. We apparently suck about washing our hands, you guys. Yeah, I've never seen so many people actually wash their hands or use hand sanitizer. I thank goodness, because regular flu kills a shit ton of people on the daily. Not to like downplay this scenario, but it's just like, we should be doing this anyway. This should be a thing that we're doing. Should. But, But, you know. Here we are. (laughs) All right. I think I think that wraps it up. Yeah. That was quite an episode. <laughs> it's a really cheery one this time, you guys. And and you know what? By the time you hear this, all of this shit may be like either ramped up or died down. But I'm I'm begging on the former rather than the latter. Gonna be crazy. But thanks for listening. Check out our other podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. And check out our wonderful website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for our articles, other shows, and more. Um, You can stay up to date checking out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yeah, so come and join the gathering. Have a great month. And resubscribe if you haven't already. Please do. So that you can keep up to date with season two and everything else moving forward. Yeah, it was great having you. And we will, well, we may be talking about the same shit next month. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe we'll we'll dive into other tropes that are slightly less depressing and topical. Maybe. But we'll see where the world takes us. We'll see.
All right, guys. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Grand Geek Gathering.